This is the Meiji at 150 Student Podcast. My name is Paul, and I'll be talking about Yoshoku, or Japanese style Western cuisine. Hi, Paul. Hello. <laughs> so, what are we talking about?、Uh, so, we'll be talking about、uh, Yoshoku, which is a Japanese style Western cuisine. That many people might just regularly think as being Japanese, but actually it's not. Interesting. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, Yoshoku, which is a cuisine, like the name suggests, is Western, but then it's a Western influenced dishes created entirely Japanese because the ingredients that are used in the Yoshoku cuisine are mostly ingredients that you can only get in Japan and then not elsewhere. So, what would be some examples of Yoshoku cuisine?、Uh, well, I guess the most well known food can be tonkatsu or karage or fried prawn that we always have in a Japanese restaurant like Ebimai or something like that.、Yeah. So, you, are you telling me that these are actually Western? What, what's the story behind this? It goes back quite a bit. You know,、um, It goes back to when Emperor Tenmu banned、uh, meat because it went against Buddhism as a religion. Okay, so after the Meiji Restoration, then. We have beef reintroduced to the Japanese diet. What's the story of that? So, like I said, the Japanese were really unfamiliar with beef or meat in general. And then I guess when it first started out, there was something called a gyunabe, which is just a beef sukiyaki as we know.、Um, but then at first, it was combined with familiar ingredients like miso. And it made the approach to the people that were unfamiliar with the beef much more easier. So, and then at that time, there was a saying that, that was going on. It was、um, if you don't eat gyunabe, you are not a modern person. So, yeah. <laughs> right, there's even the story of how when the emperor ate beef for the first time, it was、yeah. such a, a big national story that was put、uh-huh. into the newspapers and、yeah. our headlines. They said when they, first in, when they were first introduced to beef, it was with wine, beef steaks, and also mutton. And then it was said that it shocked the shogunate when he first had it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is, so you mentioned tempura too,、mm-hmm. right? What's the story behind this one? Well, I guess tempura,、um, fried food, it really exists everywhere in the world. But then, like I said in the beginning, it's really turned into something really Japanese because of the style and everything else that goes along with it. So, what happened with, I guess, one of the tempuras or one of the fried foods, it can be a pork cutlet or a tonkatsu.、Mm-hmm. And then it is said that it came from a French cuisine, where in French, it is usually fried with butter. Whereas, The Japanese were really unfamiliar with butter and it tasted too greasy for them.、Uh-huh. So, a man named、um, Kira Motojiro, he was inspired by the tempura which, had, which they had before. He used a Japanese technique to fry the tonkatsu in、mm-hmm. oil instead of the traditional butter used in French cuisine. Well, and even the story of tempura itself dates back to <laughs> the Tokugawa period and the influence of Western cultures and Dejima. Uh, it's tempura actually getting its name from the Quattro Tempora, the,、mm-hmm. this time when, in the Catholic calendar when you're not allowed to eat beef or anything like this. The practice of deep frying vegetables and eating during the tempura is where we get the term tempura from. I think the only similar origin of tempura really comes from what the dish that you just mentioned, which is、um, from what I know Portuguese、mm-hmm. and what they had before. And compared to, I guess, tonkatsu or the French cuisine that they borrowed the 
pork cutlet methods mm -hmm. from, this was a lot more similar to the tempura that we have today because mm -hmm. the batter, it was very light with mm -hmm. water, just flour, and it was really similar to the tempura, except it missed the breadcrumbs or the panko mm. breadcrumbs. Mm. Whereas now the tempura usually consists of the panko breadcrumbs. Right. So, mm -hmm. Of course, by far the most popular of all yoshoku dishes that you mm -hmm. see in Japan is curry rice. Mm -hmm. yes. So what's the story of curry <laughs> rice? It's similar to, I guess, the pork color and the um, tempura, which they say it came from India, so, which is obviously true. And then they made it a little more towards their style. And then if you look at the ingre ingredients that go into the Japanese-style curry, it's completely different. And then the process of making it is completely different as well. And then what you can see there is that, similar to the pork color or term yoshoku, the Japanese cuisine came from, it's purely used to suit Japanese taste and then the ingredients you can get easily mm -hmm. compared to cheese or butter or anything mm -hmm. else like that you can get elsewhere. Don't you think it's ironic that curry, which is a dish from South Asia, is considered Western? The story behind this that I've heard is that it was introduced by the British. British colonizers of India had taken curry back to London where it became very popular and then it made its way from London back to Tokyo. And so then it was put into this group of yoshoku. So what's something very fascinating that you discovered in doing your research on yoshoku? Well, it was the most fascinating thing that I really discovered was um, how it got to be really well known and then how it was taken in so naturally by the Japanese themselves. Mm -hmm. And then now they consider it as Japanese food and not Western food at all, so yeah. <laughs> even though it's there in the title, right? yeah, you can get. I guess for example, you have uh, there's spaghettis, you know, uh -huh. but then it's made in completely different style. What, what kind? What do you mean? What What would be an example of spaghetti? Well, I guess one of the most famous spaghettis in Japan is um, Napolitan mm. spaghetti, and then the story behind is that Napolitan is made from ketchup and not tomato sauce, mm -hmm. and then the reason behind that is. They couldn't get tomatoes to use for the tomato sauce at all in Japan during the time. So mm. what they had accessible was ketchup. So they started adding ketchup to already cooked. Mm. So they would just simply mix it in and then just serve it like that. And then it was the funny thing is the name Napolitan, right? It doesn't use tomato sauce or anything Italian, to be honest, except for the spaghetti. But then it's named after <laughs> Napoli. It's kind of funny how they name it after a Western cuisine or a Western place and then just consider it as being completely Japanese. It's, it get kind of ingrained in, uh -huh, in Japanese sure. cuisine, right? And, and, and then when it gets exported overseas, the place where you get these foods now is at Japanese restaurants. And so as you were saying, they're actually thought of outside of Japan as being Japanese food. Even the yoshoku things like curry are now served in the Japanese restaurants. For sure. And I think the way yoshoku is described compared to washoku, which is traditional Japanese cuisine, yoshoku is described and then, I guess, explained as being a hybrid. And mm -hmm. most importantly, unique to Japan. So you know, There's always this joke, you know, what do, what do you call Japanese food in Japan? It's like, well, you, you just call it food. Well, actually, in Japan, there is a word for Japanese food, and it's exactly what you're talking about. There is a distinction between washoku mm -hmm. and yoshoku. Mm -hmm. So I guess there's the distinction there, but then aside from that, really, it's just 
simply Japanese food for Japanese people. Because you see it everywhere if you go in Japan right now. It's family food, you know, it's comfort food for them. And then one of the things that I found really interesting was people who are touring from abroad, like Europe or from North America or elsewhere, if they travel to Japan, they don't really eat yoshoku food. They go into traditional restaurants, washoku food, and then they don't really consider yoshoku food as being truly Japanese. Where, in fact, a lot of the Japanese, where they just go out to eat with their family or just really casually is yoshoku food and not the washoku, which is the traditional food. Well, I always tell people, it's not like people in Japan eat sushi every day or something like that. Speaking of this, so which which of these foods is your favorite? My favorite, to be honest, is uh, it probably has to be omurice or with the Hamburg steak, I guess. Yeah, it's really good. Explain those. Well, I guess omurice is it's a fried rice with also made with ketchup. And mm-hmm. then it's covered with a omelet. That's why they call it an omurice. Omelet uh-huh. and a rice. Omurice. Uh-huh. So, and then they serve it with, I guess, uh, some type of demi-glas. But yeah. then it's a completely different demi-glas from what you get in Europe. It's kind of also Japanese-style demi-glas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Or curry on top. Yeah, or curry on top as well. Yeah. And with the Hamburg steak, I guess it's a more... It was a more easier way to approach the public as well during the time. Instead uh-huh. of a traditional steak, you would have... Um, chopped up vegetables along with minced beef with the sauce that they're familiar with and then something that they can have with rice so one of the things that were really funny to me was that usually western cuisine is eaten with bread and not rice they would give rice instead of bread. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at all these Yoshoku cuisines, all of these are more paired better with rice right. instead of bread. So, and then something that goes along with that was that they use chopsticks instead of forks. Right. So it was like mixed up to actually suit the needs of what they were familiar with and what they can use. And then, yeah. This distinction between Yoshoku and Washoku and the difference between rice and bread mm-hmm. reminds me of this really funny incident at, at Denny's that I went to in Japan, where whenever you order, the side menu, like the, the side dishes that come with it, you have to tell them whether you want the yoshoku set or the washoku set. And so the washoku set is like rice, uh, miso soup, and some pickles. The yoshoku set was a little a little baguette, corn soup, uh, and a salad. And I was really in the mood for corn soup and rice. Mm-hmm with my main dish, but those were on two different set menus for the for the sides. And so I asked if I could get corn soup and rice, and, and it was the, the waitress was like, what? <laughs> Does can not you, compute. I, can you do that? Can yeah. you do that? <laughs> to us, it'd be, what's more familiar is not a separation between washoku and yoshoku, which, but then to me as a millennial, and what's more casual for me is, I guess, you don't really distinct between the two. It's just Japanese food for you. And whatever you like, you just want to get. But I guess the way this, they make a separation out of that, it's pretty funny, I guess. <laughs> so when you get a craving for these foods, uh, where do you go in Vancouver to, to eat these? Oh, well, I go to a Japanese... Well, I like sake and I like drinking. So <laughs> I don't usually look for a full meal, but then more of a, I guess, uh, izakaya. Something that you can just have with just small dishes that you can order and then have a lot of, a lot of varieties of food. And then I guess the pairing that I usually really like is ebimayo or like taco wasabi. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Or even skewers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, let's hope your parents aren't listening. Oh, well... <laughs> 
I'm an adult, so yeah, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. The Meiji at 150 podcast is hosted by Tristan Gruno at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. This podcast would not be possible without the cooperation of the UBC Center for Japanese Research and the technical assistance of the UBC Faculty of Arts, ISIT. Find out more about the Meiji at 150 project, including the Meiji at 150 lecture series, digital teaching resource, and workshop series by visiting our website, meijiat150.arts.ubc.ca. Thank you for listening. <laughs>